Hey guys, how are you? Welcome back to the Tim Moen Show. The uh, the government wants to take your guns, doesn't it? I mean, if you have guns, uh, it kind of takes the teeth out of government. Um, it's a long-standing sort of tradition of all tyrants to take your guns so that they can enact their tyranny, so that they can impose their will and agenda on you without any resistance whatsoever. Well, of course, in Canada, we have our own tyrant named Justin Trudeau. Lo and behold, he's trying to take our guns. He wants them. He wants all the big, scary ones, too. Uh, the, the, the scarier they look, the more he wants them. doesn't matter about their function so much, but uh, they look scary. They sound scary. Uh, they're assault weapons. Need to take them. But Alberta, we have a upstart premier who's pushing back against Trudeau's nationalism against his uh, imposition on our province here. And uh, they've, they're have uh, proposing legislation, the Alberta firearms legislation to push back against that. So today I have Todd Brown from Fire, who is going to tell us all about this legislation. Firearm Institute for Rational Education. Fire. I like that. Todd, welcome to the show. Why is Trudeau trying to take our guns? Well, thanks for having me here. Um, he he's he's a control freak, and uh, gun confiscation is all about control. To to me, that that's a that, isn't that's he trying to isn't he trying to save the children? Isn't he trying to stop senseless tragedy? <laughs> no, he's he just doesn't want uh, want want people to be able to defend themselves. Uh, my guess would be against him. Like it's okay for him to wander around with uh, half a dozen armed uh, guards, but uh, God forbid that if a private citizen wanted to defend themselves, they they could use a, a firearm to do it. Yeah, or you know, in the Canadian wilderness, it'd be nice to have a sidearm to protect against things like grizzly bears, oh lions, yes. different things like that. Um, here's here's the thing I don't understand. I mean. Uh, we we can kind of pontificate about what Trudeau's motivations are here. Is he maybe he's got all the the noble intentions that he says he does, which is he just he just wants less violence in the world. He just wants there to be less shootings and, and blah blah blah. We we can argue about whether he truly believes that or not. Uh, you know the. But what about supporters that support gun control? The people that that say, yeah, this is we, we want fewer guns in the world and therefore we want to use this magic wand called government to take that to stop all these uh, sense the senseless violence. I mean, th these people do understand that government is a gun, right? I mean, the government, in order to confiscate those guns, is going to need men with guns ready and willing to shoot you dead for owning a piece of property that they don't like. That seems like gun violence to me. That seems like, it seems to me that all laws, in fact, are threats of gun violence. Yet these people don't seem to understand that. that uh, well, I agree with that. You know, any any law that the government make is, makes is backed up by the barrel of a gun. Like eventually, you know, a, a routine traffic stop could end in a, in a police shooting. Right, one, right. One way it, or it, the other. It seems so, to me that if your primary goal is to stop gun violence, that you would want to limit government <laughs> as much as possible because everything the government does is backed by by threat of gun. And of course, guys, you can just test this theory out if you don't believe me. Uh, break any 
minor violation, violate the law in any minor way, and then just defend yourself when the enforcers come to try to enforce it. Um, you'll pretty soon see the guns of government and you'll pretty soon be uh, looking up from six feet under. Um, all right. <laughs> I, I, I digress here. Uh, that being said. <laughs> that being said, we've got, uh, we've got this upstart premier here in Alberta who is trying to, uh, at least it seems like she's trying to exert some sovereignty, some autonomy uh, from Canada and, and govern um, her province the way uh, you know she wants it or the way her her constituents want it to be governed rather than the way trudeau and the laurentian elite and everyone else wants it to be governed uh what what's going on what is this alberta firearms act all about well the the, the first thing you have to understand is that uh we needed a way to, to push back against ottawa and the the first thing that the the provincial government did before uh mrs smith uh, took the reins was uh, Kenny uh, took a hold of a policy that I had written to uh, to get our own chief firearms officer. Now the the CFO was federally appointed before, so they're they're under federal control. We had no say in what they what they did, their actions or anything of that sort. Right. And by uh, CFO, Todd, you you don't mean the chief financial officer, right? No, you mean the chief firearms officer. Okay. And what what does the CFO do exactly? They uh, they look after the uh, um, the firearms act on a provincial level, which means that uh, you know licensing, gun ranges, um, uh, that sort of thing. Any anything that's uh, in a provincial jurisdiction, they they deal with uh, you know in in Alberta. Now, the one thing that they were able to do was uh, give our our CFO the uh, uh, the mandate to stand up for Alberta gun owners as well, to advocate for them in Ottawa. So that's that's okay. something that uh, no other CFO in Canada does, and I believe there's 10 of them across so that's, Canada. That, so that's what the Alberta Firearms Act does? Uh, no, that's that that was the, uh, the policy that was put in place when the first... Uh, um, first time the, the government came out with the, uh, the bill to... Uh, to start taking away our long guns oh, gotcha. and we needed a way to way to push back. And that was, uh, that was the only uh, tool they had in their toolbox. They, uh, they came to me and begged me for that, that policy to, uh, to put it into place. And then we wound up with our own uh, uh, provincially appointed chief firearms officer. So that, that was a first step. Now with Trudeau continuing his, uh, his run at us, um, you know, he, uh, he come out with a C21 that, uh, wanted to take away initially just handguns, you know, uh, enable them to uh, to be able to uh, quash our ability to buy, trade, sell, import uh, handguns, and then it kind of morphed into uh, you know, well, let let's just take all the uh, semi-automatic firearms, which is the uh, the step that all gun grabbers take after handguns go. Um, right. Now to, to push back against this, this is, this is where the Firearms Act Bill 8 in, in Alberta kind of had its genesis. They were looking for a way to keep uh, the, their, the, the federal government's grubby little hands off our firearms. Now, how can we push back? Well, what they came up with was uh, the ability, now this is uh, in sections 
8, 9, 10, and 13, I believe, of the uh, the Firearms Act. I did a line-by-line review, actually. Both uh, All of us at FIRE did, did this review. And uh, what they're doing is taking away the ability of the federal government to confiscate guns in Alberta uh, using the RCMP or military by creating a an approved and licensed what they call a seizure agent. Now, mm. at, at first, th- this may seem, um, you know, headed in the wrong direction. But what they're doing with this, now it, it's kind of a double-edged right. sword, and I'll get into that. But what they're doing with this is, uh, in Alberta, these seizure agents are the only ones that are able to confiscate or seize firearms in Alberta. And they're licensed gotcha. by the Alberta government. Right. If any other person or, or entity, business, whatever, comes in and tries to seize guns, they will be fined uh, $20,000 to $100,000 in fines. So uh, right. Okay. So, based- and, and, and this reminds me of what happened in, in High River when you had a bunch of guns. Were those guns seized? I, I'm sure the RCMP would argue about whether it was a seizure or some kind of where we're putting them in safekeeping so they don't get flooded or some nonsense. But oh, that that yeah, that was that was a a, a seizure. Con, uh, I define seizure and confiscation a little bit. Confiscation is like a permanent thing. They take them, they right. destroy them. Okay. Uh, the the seizure. Uh, uh, most of the guns in High River were returned. But that, that so they, were, they were seized it... and returned. But but what you're saying is uh, going forward, if if this legislation were in place, the RCP would be likely subject to fines for what they did in High River. Is that fair to say? Yeah, uh, personally and as an organization, yes. Right. Okay. Okay. So going that, forward, that's, if that's something my like that, read on yeah, that's your read on it. So going forward, by the letter of the law, from what it appears, the seizure agents would be need to be present or need to be there to to actually seize the guns um in a case like that uh, so so what we're doing here todd is yeah i could see how at first blush you would look at this and go oh great one more type one more agent that can take my guns away from me but what I, what they're actually saying is no no longer can the rcmp and the military take your guns now only this provincial agent can take your gun and so now uh it's the province's jurisdiction and i i suppose what you're going to tell me is well, this is a double-edged sword because you could imagine if Notley or some left-winger gets in there, they might be able to use that seizure agent to go above and beyond what the federal government might do to you. Maybe we have uh, a Maxime Bernier for prime minister who's very favorable towards firearms and would never confiscate your guns, but yet our Rachel Notley might use that uh, seizure agent to to do just that. that yeah, be- you, you, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's when it, when I look at legislation, I don't just look at it for what they're trying to do with it. I look at it for what could be done with it if uh, if a rogue government got into power and decided to turn it on its ear and, and say, well, what can we do with this and uh, change the regulations on it a little bit? And, oh, we can just go out and take everybody's guns. And the, uh, the federal government doesn't have anything to say about it. We can just do it provincially. Right. So... I, I haven't seen yet. Um, well, the regulations and, and of, haven't, of course haven't been. In, and of course, in Canada here, Todd, we don't have, um, you know, uh, a Second Amendment uh, to protect our our firearms right. ownership. So, so there's nothing from the federal government to protect our right to own firearms. Um, therefore, it seems like um, coming at it from the provincial angle might be our our best bet. 
Well, I'm thinking so too, because uh, provincial uh, uh, provincial jurisdiction is uh, beats federal jurisdiction when it comes to property rights. Now, if we can make the argument that firearms are property, which they are, mm-hmm. then uh, that that should be under provincial jurisdiction. Right. So, what, what what's your interpretation then? If we go take our gun hunting in BC or some other province, um, <laughs> well, did, that's uh, does their provincial jurisdiction then come into play, or well, it, if they decide to take it, that that's the right. thing is that we we have to make sure that we uh, uh, we stand up for that provincial jurisdiction. Otherwise, the we've seen the federal government uh, just this this creeping. Uh, confiscation agenda you know it's a little bit here and a little bit there and we never get back to where we were like we used to have a uh, an FAC which is a firearms acquisition certificate it was a certification system Hmm. and we completely lost that and uh, I don't see us going back to it federally because we always have uh, Central Canada to deal with and they're just anti-gun by and large you know and and let let me just stop you there so so now we have a licensing system rather than a certification system a certification would be something like evidence that you have some competency in firearms for you know uh correct that, that you could show someone if they questioned you or uh had an issue with with you or something like that having that piece of property you could say well look i've i've got certification here i'm certified uh which is evidence that i've got some training now we have a license which is to say you don't have the right to own guns unless we give you permission to use guns. Yeah, per, uh, uh, the uh, the definition of a license. Now, I just kind of I kind of break it down in short form is uh, permission to do something that's otherwise illegal. Look it up right. in Black's Law Dictionary. It, it's it's there. Right. Um, so the first thing they have had to do when they brought in the licensing system was make uh, simple possession of a firearm against the law, which they did with sections ninety one and ninety two of the Criminal Code. It states in there that you cannot, not never mind own, possess a firearm without government-approved permission in the form of a little card with your your face on it called a license. So always remember, license certificate. You explained that very well. Licensing is permission to do something that's otherwise illegal. So guns in Canada are by default illegal. Right. Yeah. So wow. it, it, it's a it's a very important distinction to make. Right, right. So I guess I better turn off my 3D printer. There it was pre- I was just printing up an AK-47, but I guess that's probably <laughs> probably illegal. I probably need a license for that or something. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, CSIS. I don't have a printer at all. No. Uh, <laughs> um, but in this bill, there's a, there's actually some good things in it too that aren't aren't really a double edged sword. There's there's things that. Uh, should have been put into into place before, but uh, you know you can tell by how the uh, the legislation works and how the regulations are are written as to what their intent is. You know uh, everything about the Firearms Act is about confiscation, pure and simple. Like it, it right. that's a confis- uh, a piece of legislation for confiscation. Now uh, other sections in here, there's section eleven and twelve, um, and they they want to put these in place for a uh, compensation program for seized guns. So if they seize mm. something, you'll get compensated for it. You know, it's, it, 
small, small thing, you know, when you have your property taken away, you'd rather keep your property than, than any money, but at least they have something uh, that they want to put into place that would fairly compensate you for that action. Um, the other thing that actually I'm, I'm in favor of is a forensic and ballistic testing of any seized guns, especially if they're, you know, come from a, a, a criminal element or whatever, you know, uh, that could be uh, proof in a court case. So, right. you know, I'm, I'm for that, that sort of thing. Um, another thing that the, uh, this bill will do is in section 16, it will not allow the federal government to go around the provincial government and make deals, you know, backroom deals with cities, municipalities. And we've seen mm. this before is that they'll go in and say, well, we'll give you some money. If you, uh, you know, you put these anti-gun, uh, legislation or, or things in or place. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, this will, uh, keep them from doing that. They, they won't be allowed to do it. It'll be Ill illegal in Alberta for the federal government to come in right. and go, go to like a city and say, well, you know, if, if you guys, uh, ban this type of guns and agree with us on this, then, you know, we'll, we'll make you a, a trade off or something. That's, that's a, that's a no go. Hmm. Okay. So that, 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 that's a, that's a good thing as well. So, um, the one big thing that was missing out of this that, uh, I'm going to be pushing is, um, now most gun owners are, are going to, uh, going to like this, this idea, I believe is when guns are seized, if there's no reason for, uh, for them to be kept, you know, like in a court case or, or something of that sort. Why don't they take those guns and resell them to the uh, to the honest gun owners of uh, of Alberta? Mm. And that's not in the legislation. So I'm suggesting that they should add something into the regulations that would allow for the resale of any uh, any seized firearms. Well, what happens to seized firearms now? They're usually destroyed. Is there any requirement to destroy them? Why couldn't they sell them? Do they need legislation to say they can sell them or to you know, what I mean? you know, I it, there. There's a lot of police officers, especially higher ups, like the the guys on the street. They generally will will tell you, we don't want to take come and take your guns, but you know they're going to be under orders to do it. Right. And they don't want them back out on the street, so they're going to destroy them. Now that right. that incurs another cost. Now why don't you uh, give those uh, allow peaceful and responsible gun owners to re uh buy these guns back so that they they'll actually have a home a lot of them are very expensive a lot of them can have a, a historical value hmm. uh collector's items thing things of that sort you know you're not going to take a mona lisa because someone someone stole it you're not going to take the mona lisa and burn it because right. you know it's too expensive or whatever you know yeah it seems to me there might be a uh maybe there's a niche here for some kind of business opportunity uh, to, to, you know, save the guns, save the well, guns the, the, from destruction. The other thing is with, with doing something like that, instead of incurring another cost in the destruction of the guns, they would create a cash flow. Right. Well, that's fair. Well, <laughs> that I mean, make, I, that makes too much sense. Uh, well, I mean, look, if, if you want the government to have money, that makes sense without taxing, <laughs> without taxing me. Sure. That's good. But, uh, 
yeah, I mean, I, I would uh, I would rather see you have a cash flow. I think maybe Fire should take this up as a cause. Say, go to the RCMP and say, look, uh, I know you guys have this gun. I know your your instinct is to uh, steamroll these things so they're not back out in the street. I got a better idea. I'm going to take these guns. I'm going to sell them to all the only to license law abiding firearm owners who are going to take good care of them and will never use them for a crime. And uh, you know what? I'm going to donate 50% of the funds to uh, to charity, maybe even a police charity. How about them apples? Then you guys can feel good about giving me the guns. I can make a little bit of profit. Your charity can make a little bit of profit. These guns don't have to be destroyed. These gun owners get to, get to preserve a piece of, of property that's beautiful. And uh, yeah, well, there, there's all uncle. sorts of things. There, there could be business. It, it could be just a, just a case of uh, recouping some, some of their costs to, for the program. Yeah. Um, like you said, for, uh, uh, the, the police officers, uh, if, if they want to have a little fun to, uh, uh, to help out some of their, their, their fellow officers that are going through a tough time or, or whatever, you know, there's lots of reasons, uh, that you could do that. And there's already gun auctions out there, the yeah. private gun auctions. So why not make one, uh, for, for this, you know, one, once sure. a year, any seized guns, there, there'll be a, uh, an auction for the, these firearms. Well, how, actually, do I, how, how do I, how do I become a seizure agent? Uh, you know, maybe <laughs> well, I'll become one and I'll make sure that, uh, yeah, in the, uh, the regulations that they haven't written yet is, right. is where all that's going to come out. Now the devil's in the details with, with any bill, because where the power comes from is what they write into the actual regulations. Right. So the devil's in the details. We'll have to see what the we need. We need to figure out there. Listen, audience of the Tim Moen show, if you know anyone that's involved in the writing of these regulations, anyone in the, we, we need to get Todd Brown uh, in on the, on the action here. They, they Todd at the very least needs to be having coffee with the people writing these email, dropping some little nuggets, or maybe we can get uh, Todd in there as a citizen, an Alberta citizen, um, or or subject matter expert to help them craft this regulation because like he said todd the devil is in the details and there's a lot of good that could potentially come out of this if the regulation is written the right way rather than uh the wrong way right and so yeah. and we and well, we know yeah there is a, a firearms advisory committee uh that was set up for uh putting uh putting in the, the chief firearms officer and i know a couple of people on that committee so oh, beautiful. You know, i'm not I'm not without contacts, but you know, it's, it's kind of a, a balancing act, I guess, but uh, I've right. already, I've already kind of uh, uh, put the, uh, put the idea out there. We'll, we'll see, see what becomes of it because if, but if there's anybody else there that, uh, that knows somebody, like you said, then, then that's great. I do want to make, uh, uh, make hay a little bit, if I may, for, uh, for a minute, out of your use of lawful gun owners. Okay. Now, I, I actually, I, I take I know offense where this is going. At, yeah, I take offense <laughs> at that term actually, because. Hey, uh, I offended myself with that term. You know, I'm trying to speak uh, in, in yeah, common no, no. So parlance here, but. What, what I've, uh, what I started doing and you've already seen, uh, heard me use this term is peaceful and responsible because uh, how can we be right. lawful gun owners when the, the laws keep getting worse and worse and worse? When, where's the line? When you know, sure. a lot of people have already crossed that line that they're saying, 
piss on the piss on the government. You know, I I can't be a lawful gun owner because they made it impossible for me to be such. Right. But and of course, all... I can I can be a peaceful and responsible gun owner without following any goddamn laws that the Canadian government has put out. <laughs> you got it. Right. I mean, you got it. First, from ownership, if I have a piece of property, let's say, uh, oh, let's say I just, uh, you know, I, I look, I've never gotten a license, uh, a pal. I don't currently own a gun. Um, I, I would like to, but I, personally, I don't want to be, I don't want to submit to this uh, onerous system here. I don't want to have to, I, I just hate the idea of begging for permission for something that that is my god-given right <laughs> to to do or to own a piece of property but uh you know would i be would i be a violent criminal if let's say my father when he passed uh you know gave handed me his firearms and said these are yours son you know okay i, I don't have a a pal uh i you know i'm not telling anyone i have them uh i'm not using them uh in any nefarious way Maybe in the future I'll go hunting with them. They're uh, an heirloom. They're they're an heirloom. Yeah, exactly. Like why? So so am I a criminal? I have I'm not following any legislation in this case. Yet I'm a peaceful and I would argue responsible uh, owner of that type of property. And so yeah, you're right. I, just yeah. just like the same way, Todd. I feel like I could be a, a, a peaceful and responsible owner of lawn darts or baby walkers. I feel yeah, like I exactly. <laughs> other band items, you know what I mean? That's exactly. You know, I've got a I've got a 22 that came from my great grandfather. Wow. So, you know, that that was something that uh, he actually <laughs> uh emigrated into Canada from the Dakotas and he brought that gun with him. So, you know, I've got a piece of my family history. Yeah, well, well you know, my dad has a um a 22 that was, I think his father's, it was like built in the, in the early 1900s, like 1910 or something like that. So it's, uh, yeah. I mean, if I don't get my license, Todd, where do those guns go? Right. Yeah, exactly. They, they get destroyed. They get destroyed and God damn, that would be a shame. So I'm going to probably have to break down and get my license just to make sure that doesn't happen. But, uh, it's, uh, it, it, it irks me that I, that I have to do that. It irks me how to know. Yeah, it. no, I I completely agree. It's uh, it, it's not something you you shouldn't need government permission to own property. And uh, to be quite honest, the more gun owners there are, the more peaceful the society is. Um, you know, when when they say uh, it, it's it, it, it it's a weird way of thinking, but it uh, the. The gun grabbers think that uh, if you want to get rid of gun violence, just get rid of all the guns. Well, you can you can look to all sorts of different countries and see how that's worked out. Right. You know. Yeah, because um, because the pro the problem is you can't get rid of guns because the, the very thing you're, the, the very thing you want to do requires guns. Like getting exactly. rid of guns requires guys with guns. So you're going to need powerful guns and guys willing to pull those triggers and enact gun violence to get rid of those guns. So. Um, you know, that's why it, it, right? it's, yeah. it's why don't you worked. enlist the, uh, the, the general population in helping to stop crime instead of saying, well, the right. stopping crime is just the, uh, the government's bailiwick. You know, we, we can't, it's, it's gotta be the police that do that. Well, why can't we enlist the, uh, you know, if we had in Canada, if, if we had 
concealed carry, why can't we enlist these people as uh, 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 as deputies? You know, and and they sure. would be and they would be part of the police force in some way, shape, or form. You know, when and that would bring more trust in the police force as well. Right. Uh, you know, or, I'm, or, I'm also. Or what- what about a model, something like the, what the Swiss has, where, um, you know, you get a, like, I, I put this forward as, as an idea, you know, I had some crazy ideas as a leader of the Libertarian Party, let me tell you, one of them was, look, voting shouldn't be a right, it should be, um, it should be something that you get from, um, from contributing to your nation, let's say, it should be something you earned, um, you know, not every idiot should opinion should matter especially someone who's a net taker from the people around him who's never contributed anything so okay if you want the right to vote you you can pay uh you you can either pay a a tax a voluntary tax if you don't want to pay the tax that's cool you just don't get to vote uh or you can sign up and do sir to serve to defend your country or something like that we'll give you we'll give you an actual assault rifle and uh, you get to keep that after your your uh, year or two of service. Um, well, or, or just use like the Swiss model. I, I don't want, like the idea of mandatory uh, service, but uh, if you want to serve in the armed forces or if you want to sign up to be in the reserves for a year or two, here's a free gun. Here's a free assault rifle. You get to keep it. And uh, we'll even send you a box of ammo every year or something like that. Stay proficient at it. And, uh, you know, there you go. Bob's your uncle. Yeah. There's, there's all sorts of different ways you can, you can go with this. I'm actually of an advocate, like I'm a, I'm a policy writer too, obviously. Cause I've, uh, I've written policy for, for max. Um, my fingerprints are, or I co-wrote that, that firearms policy with, uh, with another fella. And, uh, I actually helped out the libertarian party when, when you were in power, uh, yep. coming up with policy, uh, I've written policy for the Wild Rose Party of Alberta, um, for the uh, Buffalo Party in Saskatchewan. Like there, there's been about uh, three federal and about half a dozen uh, provincial parties that I've written or influenced policy for. So um, what what I would suggest with the policing is actually I'm an advocate of uh, provincial police, but in a in a much more uh, municipal way in uh we should have uh i haven't worked out all the details but the direction i'm going is we should have our our own county police that work together as a group to to form the provincial police Mm. so these positions would be elected they they wouldn't be appointed by the government because the police in my opinion should be separate from the government because if we have a rogue government we need the police to be able to police the government as well Interesting. I like it. So, so, you know, if if we had uh, an elected sheriffs for each county, and then those sheriffs would work together uh, as a province to to be the provincial police force, and everyone is elected, and even the cities, you know, the the city police, the leader of the city police would be an elected position as well. Right. So it would all be, you know, I, I'm a big believer in accountability. Even the chief firearms officer, I was advocating for to be an elected position because they actually carry a lot of power and a lot of weight. So that position in my mind should be uh, elected by license holders of Alberta. Hmm. Yeah. 
So any any position of power should be responsible right to the the population, to the citizens. And uh, I kind of like it. Kind of like it. Well, yeah. And you know, we we uh, it would make sense. Look, in you know, as a paramedic firefighter, I I could I could tell you what taking control away from municipalities and counties and putting it in the provincial hands has done. Right? It's it's created a, a big. Uh, giant bureaucracy, top-down command and control. It's lowered service levels. It's made a bunch of uh, unhappy employees. Um, you know, they, the answer is to decentralize, get it back power as close to the people as possible, as close to the citizens we serve as possible. Same would go for a, a function like policing, you know, getting as close to the citizens as possible. And that means, uh, you know, something like what, what you're suggesting, um, you know, uh, yeah, if we could get if we get the police and the citizens working together, crime rates will drop. Sure, sure, and and here you know the, the thing that never gets talked about in in liberal circles, of course, is the is is the actual determinants of crime, right? That we know that there are there are environmental factors that uh, increase crime and increase violent crime, and that has nothing to do with ownership of firearms and it has everything to do with family breakdown has everything to do with uh you know kids being raised in fatherless homes have a like a 400 percent increased likelihood of becoming criminals uh having unwanted pregnancies uh being addicted to drugs all these different things so it's it's the left's policies that drive the family apart and contribute to crime and and so if we're looking at um at factors that cause cause violence in society maybe we ought to look at the underlying rates of fatherlessness and family breakup in a particular uh, area where you see the most crime and uh, look at the policies that are directly contributing to that and they almost are always these left-wing policies that treat ch people as if they're children uh, without agency and replace uh, fathers um and, and oftentimes mothers with the government, and uh, that is a that is a re recipe for absolute horror and de degradation, and people, uh, you know, actually needing guns to protect themselves um, from from the, those criminals, right? So, uh, you know, that that's what I'd say about that. We, we never look at that though. We all only look at it's that damn bullet that caused this this violence, you know, or that gun. And um, no, there's there was someone that pulled that trigger, and and that well, person the, the, most likely came from a broken and troubled family with yeah. a broken and troubled. You know, uh, according to a certain book, you know, the first person killed was killed with a rock. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, we got to ban rocks, but yeah, <laughs> for sure. You know, it, it's it's what's in the heart of the person, not the tool that they use. Yeah. Any tool can be used. And government is a perfect example of this. Any tool can be uh can be made for good with good intentions and used in an evil manner that's right yeah you know absolutely. the uh the the fellow that created the machine gun his intention was to make a a weapon so dangerous that people wouldn't want to use it and mm. well we know what happened uh with uh, the uh, invention of the machine gun now don't we? right 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 so, you know, the, the only thing, that, anything that's made for a deterrent has to be used at least once. Mm. 
It's fair. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit, Todd, tell us a little bit about what the federal government has been doing over the past few years to, um, to that threatens gun owners. Well, it's, it's the bills they're putting out. It's, uh, it, it's freedom oriented. Uh, it's, it's all about control. The, uh, the gun control bills that are coming out, like the C21, like they, they really stepped in a cow pie on, on that one because there was an awful lot of pushback when they started adding in long guns. And like I said, most of them were semi-automatic. Now, what uh, people have to understand if there's non-gun owners listening in is that the uh, gun, gun grabbers, they start out with, uh, you know, the most, what they consider the most dangerous ones, which would be full automatics and, uh, and your, your typical uh, assault rifle. Now I, I'm going to define the terms assault rifle and assault weapon. Assault weapon is, is a non-starter. It's, it's a made up term by the, by the left to scare the crap out of you. You know, anything can be an assault weapon. Anything can be a weapon. I talked to a police officer and I said, what, what was the most unusual thing used to hurt somebody that you could have charged them with assault with a weapon? And the guy said, a glass eye. Wow. It, it, uh, he uh, somehow popped out and got in another person's mouth and they choked on it. I could have oh, charged them with assault with a weapon. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, assault rifle is is something that that's only legal here uh and in the united states for the armed forces it's got a selector switch on it that is semi-automatic which is one shot per one pull the trigger um uh, a three shot burst which you pull the trigger once and three three bullets come out the barrel and full auto that's an assault rifle right. any any look-alike like an AK-47, that's that's not an assault rifle. That's a semi-automatic firearm. Right. Okay, so it, it's completely legal. So that's the first thing they come after is, is the full automatics. Oh, only the only the military and the police can have those. Well, that's a recipe for disaster. Um, and then what they do is they go, oh, well, handguns, they can be concealed. So they got to be dangerous. So we're, we're going to come after those. And then after they do that, they're going to come after the the semi-automatic firearms. Oh, you can you can shoot too. Who needs a semi-automatic? You know, right. um, anybody that's been in the forces or a, a self-defense situation knows damn well that uh, a semi-automatic is is what you need. Yeah. You yeah, know? and and then they go after magazine size because who needs more than five bullets? Yeah, and and uh, then they go after the bolt action because they're a sniper rifle. Right. And then pretty soon you're left with a with a single shot shotgun of a, a 410 caliber that's uh, useless in in any kind of kind of hunting except for small game, and and then they'll put restrictions on that. Right. So it it's a progression that they use, and you can see it with the legislation the Liberals have been putting in place. They they don't have to worry about the the full automatics, but they use that uh, that scary term assault weapon all the time they throw it around like it, it's actually something which it's not and then they uh well to, then the, they to, that, to, to them the it, it, to, to them it's it's an aesthetic right it's it's a gun that looks scary because i remember when that order in council came out a, a few years ago i think now that banned all these so-called assault rifles um, assault style 
a stalt style, right? And and that's exactly what it was. It was a style. It was a fashion style. Like you could have two guns that had exactly the same function, exactly the same caliber, carbine. One was one was looked military and therefore it was assault style and it was banned. The other one, you know, had a wood stock and therefore it, it wasn't an assault style and it was fine, but they, they would inflict the same amount of da damage, essentially operate the exact same way, shoot the same size, uh, bullet. And, um, you know, so, so it, it, these are, this is the level of thinking we're dealing with. It's like, it's totally emotional thinking, uh, that, type of gun looks scary therefore we must ban it yeah well with the uh the, the guys that are creating this legislation on the liberal end of it they know absolutely nothing about firearms and it's obvious in the legislation and what they're trying to ban and how they're trying to do it they if you had anybody in there that knew anything about firearms um you know uh, looks and function are completely different things right. uh, absolutely like you you can put a uh, you can take a uh a single shot shotgun and you can mount a scope on it if you want you can put a fancy stock on it you can put a plastic stock on it uh you you can you can dude it up you know there <laughs> there's people that have made their cameras look like assault weapons for crying out loud so yeah you know, it, it's well, it's a case of we need people in power when they're creating legislation that actually know something about what they're doing because you ask these people you know any uh, any pertinent questions about firearms and they're clueless. They really yeah. don't know what they're talking about. So you got to look at why are they doing this? It's not because they're scared of it. They're scared of what the population might do with it. You know, when the government starts to take your guns away from you, it, it makes me wonder what are they going to do that they don't want anybody shooting back at? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it seems like it's been on their agenda for a while. Tell me, so so th this uh, assault style uh, gun ban that that happened that that wasn't a piece of legislation, really. That was an order in council. So that was essentially an order handed down by the governor general uh, at the request of, of the government of uh, the liberal government. So why did they go that route and not? use legislation or something like that because they don't have to debate it in parliament and oic is order and council uh, people have to understand how it works they uh any any legislation that is uh, uh that that has uh, just hang on my brain just froze on me for a second um that is legislative like the firearms act is it, all legislative Okay, it, it's it's governed by regulations. Okay, um, the the regulations can be changed by an order in council. the The government says, okay, we want to want to change this, or one uh, one area of the government says, okay, do we want to want to change this? There's a regulation in there doesn't quite fit, and uh, we want to just correct it or whatever. They'll create an order in council. It doesn't have to be brought before parliament. Doesn't have to be debated. Doesn't have to be discussed. They give it to the, the governor and council, which is the governor general, and they sign a piece of paper and it's law. It, it, it's a shortcut around, around the system for doing anything that's regulatory in manner. I said legislative, that, that's actually right. wrong. It's regulatory is the word I was looking for. So any, any legislation that's regulatory can be changed by order and council. The, the Firearms Act is completely regulatory. So anything in the Firearms Act can be changed by an order and council. And that's why they they did that. They they think they can sneak it through the back door 
not having it discussed, change the regulation. They could, if they wanted to, they could, by an order in council, they could revoke every single firearm license in Canada by an order in council right. if they had the, the guts and the will to do it. Yeah, I guess the question is, why don't they use it more often if they if they can just, it, it sounds like they can just issue government fiat about all sorts uh, of things. Pretty, with guns pretty much, but uh, right now they're, uh, um, they, they got to be, they still have to be careful about blowback. There's still enough people out there that can cause them big, big issues. But if right. they become the uh, totalita totalitarian regime like China that uh, Trudeau wants to become, if he gets enough power, yeah. then he, he will start doing that. The, the more that he tries doing that, the more you're going to see him trying to consolidate his power so that he can do it. Right. And, and it's like, you know, it's like you said, it's like they start with one thing and get, get I, I guess, consensus from the public on that or, or get enough compliance from the public that it goes through. Okay, we're going to ban uh, military assault rifles, select fire weapons. Um, next is going to be, you know, magazine sizes or something like that. Next is going to be like, they just, it's like, uh, uh, you know, slowly turning up the, the temperature on a pot of water until it's boiling essentially right and and so now yeah. we've got this order in council which bans assault style weapons latest one is uh handgun ban right uh was that a actual piece of legislation or was that another order in council no that that was in uh bill c21 because they, they, right. they wanted to to stop the the ability for the average citizen to buy trade sell or uh, or import uh handguns right right so that, that was actually a piece of legislation. But again, the devil's in the details. What are the regulations backing that legislation going to say? How, how are they structured? Right. That's, that's where people always have to, have to look is what can the, what can the regulations do or, or not do? Right. And, and this is you know, one of the things to me that makes conservatives, I guess, somewhat impotent here. And, and I wish they, they would grab some cojones and actually try to get more firearms freedom rather than just say hey hey shake their fists at the government say how dare you ban handguns you got you need to stop this and then the, the handgun ban goes through and then they're like whatever the next thing is how dare you try to ban this and they try to stop that so we keep getting this incremental slide into uh firearms tyranny when what we should be ha having in the opposition party i would hope is uh, someone shaking their fist saying, hey, we need concealed carry. Hey, we need uh, people to be able to own select fire, uh, fully automatic <laughs> firearms. You know, like th this is uh, a rights issue. Uh, and yeah, well, we don't have the Second Second Amendment, but down in the States, you actually can own uh, fully automatic firearms. However, there's a lot of hoops that you got to jump through. Sure. There's a, there's a lot of money you got to spend, a lot of hoops, and the guns themselves are, are really expensive. But the, uh, the one thing we have to remember, remember about federal politics is ultimately the, the federal government in power is beholden to central Canada. And that means Quebec, on, uh, uh, Toronto, Ottawa. You know, those, those three cities have more voting power than uh, BC, Alberta, and Saskatchewan combined. Right. So, you know, they always got to be uh, conscious if they want to stay in power they they got to kind of toe the line to to what central canada wants and that's why i want to make the move 
from the provinces, especially us Western provinces, Alberta and Saskatchewan uh, especially, is to go down the road of uh, uh, personal property or property rights, property ownership. Um, you know, I, I've uh, had some people say, you know, when I start talking about property rights, they say, well, I only thought that uh, that applied to like land and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, no, anything you own is property. Right. You know, your, your ideas are intellectual property, like the, uh, a pair of tweezers. That's property. Those are mine. You yeah. can't have them. Right. So, you know, we, we have to enable the provinces to stand up and say, okay, property rights are the jurisdiction of the province. Period. Yeah. So uh, that that is where the federal government, where the line is. The federal government, you stay out of that. So, you know, like the, the Firearms Act, if Alberta separated, for example, um, you know, I have a policy for a free Alberta. And it has nothing to do with the Firearms Act, believe me. It's uh, it, it's completely different on, on that scale. But uh, we we have to go down the road of personal property rights as a provincial jurisdiction and apply those. Hmm. Just my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, that would... Uh... That would be my preference too. You know, property rights should be in in uh, the constitution. In fact, you know, from my perspective, uh, all human rights are essentially emerge from property rights. They're essentially property rights. I mean, freedom of speech. What is that? That's a right to say whatever I want on my property. Um, that doesn't give me a right to come onto your property and say whatever I want. I mean, if I insult your wife or something like that, you can give me the boot, right? You can say, get off my property. Uh, you know, so the same right that lets me kick off trespassers, lets me get, gives me the right to say whatever the I want without you touching this property, myself or my pro, my money or my things through threat of fine or different things like that. You can't come and take stuff from me or put me in a in a jail for the the words I say. It's a property right. I own myself, therefore you can't put me in jail uh, for. Uh, you know, doing something that's not harming anyone else, just speaking words. So, so yeah, all rights are property. So if, if we just had, you know, if we just clearly laid out what property is um, and said the right property rights are enshrined as a constitutional thing, I mean, that would cover everything from gun ownership to freedom of speech to uh, you name it. Right. And it would, it would cl clear up a lot of things. Yeah, ab absolutely. It would. Um, there, I'm just looking it up here, but there was a, uh, um, where is it? I'm trying to think of my, my memory's not working. That's why I, uh, I write stuff down, but there's, there was an act that enshrined property rights as a provincial domain. I think it was 1883 or something, something of that, that sort I I have to look it up. I, I don't have it right in front of me, but, uh, that's that's where we get our uh, our property rights uh, provincially from. So it um, we we have to go back to that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Todd. I mean, I've kept you on for almost an hour here talking about. Oh, it's this. been a pleasure. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> been a blast. Um, where can people find out more about uh, about fire and what you do and what's next on the horizon for you? Well, the uh, Firearms uh, Institute for Rational Education. We have a, a Facebook page that you can uh, just type it in; it'll pop up. 
Uh, we have a, a website at firearmsinstitute.ca where you can find uh, the article on uh, Bill 8, the, the review. And there, there's also uh, some other articles there. I'm uh, starting to, uh, to post them on a, on a regular basis. I'm hoping to post this, uh, uh, this show on, on there as well. Uh, we have some petitions up there. Uh, please take a look and uh, please donate. Help uh, help keep us uh, going and alive, and uh, so we can we can do our work. You know, I I know that uh, a lot of people probably haven't heard of fire. That's because we're uh, we're not really out there in your face kind of organization. We work in the background, uh, creating policies, teaching people how to uh, how to create policies, how to get involved in the system, and how to change the system. Yeah. So. You know, um, just for example, the, the policy that I, uh, I wrote for getting our own chief firearms officer provincially, it took me 10 years to get that implemented. So it, it's right. not a it, yeah. it's not something for the faint of heart. You're you're in it for the long haul. And uh, now I'm, I'm hoping to get uh, the chief firearms officer uh, an elected position. That, that would be one of our next uh, our next goals. Um, right. Well, I'll tell you, uh, audience, um, support Todd, support fire. I know that sounds weird. I, you know, I normally fight fire. I extinguish it. I try to get rid of it, but this is a fire. I actually want to grow. I want it to conflagrate all of Canada if we can with this type of fire. And, uh, I know Todd has done a lot of work. Uh, he's certainly been a valuable resource and done a lot of work to support support me and my party uh, as when I was leading the libertarian party I know he's helped the PPC the Buffalo party he, he's he's out there helping anyone um, you know who supports firearms rights giving them the proper education the proper framework the proper words and, and tools to understand this because a lot of us who get out there on the, that public stage uh, we're not subject matter experts, um, you know, and so it's super valuable to have a guy like Todd, um, who, who lends his, his, himself and volunteers and helps us to make sure we're going the right way. And just like you corrected me, Todd, on this very thing, when I talked about lawful, law abiding owners and you said, no, no, peaceful, uh, peaceful owners, peaceful, peaceful and responsible and responsible. Right. And it's that kind of thing that it seems like semantics and like a little thing, but those little things are, are actually really big when it comes to uh, firearms education. So if you can help out fire, please go to their, their website, go to their Facebook page and, and throw them a few uh, dollars uh, to, to help them support the work they're doing. I mean, Todd fire, is right. Firearms right, Institute.ca. Firearmsinstitute.ca. Fire, Institute I mean, Todd, you, you're right in there with, uh, with, these officials as they're right now drafting out regulations that are going to determine how you are able to own your firearms in Alberta and how that regulation is written and the details and the semantics in that are going to have a huge effect. Just like I, Todd's correction of peaceful, uh, responsible owners is a it seems semantic, but it has a huge effect. Well, the way these these regulations are written, it's going to have a huge effect. So throw uh, fire some money and make sure that Todd can continue this important work. We want him doing it as much and as we can with as much force behind it as we can to hold on to our, our liberties here in this realm. So thanks again, Todd, uh, for coming on the Moan Show.
Tim. Well, thank you very much. It it was a lot of fun. I, I appreciate your company. Awesome. Till next time, folks. We'll see you later.